0: And the guy says, yeah, your boy's done his homework, Fox. You'll be the shortest executive since that pope they poisoned (laughs) me.
1: Welcome to the Books We Loved podcast through the Troy Public Library. Today, we are talking about the film Wall Street.
2: With Michael Douglas and a very young Charlie Sheen. Hubba 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 hubba, says 12 year old Amanda
1: and our guest today is Scott Wyckoff from Walsh College which is just down the street from us Scott was a fantastic guest very helpful for me because I'm not someone who's well-versed in all things finance it just kind of exists I know enough
2: we spend money that's about as much as Olivia and I want to know about things.
1: we spend it we earn it
2: Somebody's probably putting stuff away for our retirement. It sounds like maybe the library does that for us. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, every once in a while, I get an email that updates me on it that I don't open.
2: Oh. There it
1: is. (laughs) (laughs) Scott's out there. People like Scott are out there. People like Scott
2: are out there. And he was such a great guest, like Olivia said. And he was so kind to explain things to us in uh, layman's terms. So we could actually understand some of the things that came up in the movie. Yeah, which I was really surprised I enjoyed more than I thought I was going to. It was interesting yeah. to do a flashback to New York City in the 80s, right, to see some pictures of New York City, what it looked like when I was growing up. Yeah, and what the Sheens looked like. What the Sheens, yes, Martin Sheen does play Charlie Sheen's dad in the movie and in real life. Really well cast movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn a lot and you don't really have to be a finance bro to get to like it
2: or get it. Daryl Hannah. We forgot to mention she's in it too, right? Splash. Splash. That's what I thought too when I was going to say that. So, anyway, <laughs> stick around, listen, learn some stuff about Wall Street, maybe, finance, and a fascinating movie. Money, 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 money. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do the second one. Love it.
1: Would you like to start by talking about Walsh College and what you do here?
0: Yeah, hi. Um, I, so I am, my name is Scott Wyckoff and I, I've been at Walsh for 13 years and what I do is I advise students and companies and uh, groups on our degree programs, uh, our certificate programs, continuing education, professional development. Pretty much our goal is just to help people figure out what they're looking to do in ways that they can use our classes, our degree programs, and certifications to do it. And it's uh, it's a fun, mission-driven type of a job. You recognize that you find your purpose in doing this kind of work, and so it's it's awesome to have conversations with people who are looking to find their way, and you can be a part of that path to, ha- to help them go much further on it. And uh, that's how what our goal is as a school, and we put you in the classroom with people who have done the work, uh, people who used to do the work, and people who are i uh, just passionate about helping students achieve some of the goals that they have for their careers and for themselves personally. So it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, very cool, that's wonderful. Yeah, very cool. So that's got to be very gratifying. It is. It is. Yeah, it,
0: it is. It's uh, it, it is a labor of love, to say the least. Yeah, because <laughs> you're helping people. you you're you're literally helping people. It's Like, okay, yeah. look, take this class because you're gonna learn this, 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 and this. And then once you take that class, take this one, yeah. And then it'll kind of bring things full circle for you, yeah. yeah. And then as you take more and more classes, you'll see that the, the larger the picture becomes, the more details you get into it, and it helps you to see everything that's going on. It's almost like when, um, what was it? It was that movie where, uh, I think it was Iron Man 2 or 3, where he like, he kind of saw what his dad had created up to a certain yeah. point, and then he exploded it and kind of just saw it all. Yeah. It was like, oh, my goodness. It's like this is what he's trying to accomplish. Then he finished everything up. And then yeah. that, that finishing part is like you getting into your career, getting yeah. good at it, doing the things that are requ- required and, and moving into a direction that helps you to, you know, stand out from the crowd, so to speak.
2: Right. Yeah, for sure. A fine work. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: that sounds like an awesome job. I mean, I remember being in college and mm-hmm. having – it's a confusing time, and it's a high-stakes time. Yeah, so yeah. to have people around you who can kind of guide you and help you figure it out, gosh, that's got to just be invaluable for those students. Mm-hmm. What a cool job. Yeah, it is. It's a Ooh. lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of I fun. I,
0: I'm happy I came across it.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yes.
0: Long funny. way from finance, I'll tell you that much. Yeah.
1: Is that what you did first? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We'll talk about that, too. That's That was... <laughs> That was the roller coaster ride. I didn't have the Bud <laughs> Fox experience like he had in Wall Street. But yeah. I had a good time.
1: Yeah, so you picked Wall Street for our movie discussion for today. Yes, yes. So this Manda and I are librarians. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to speak for you, Manda, but I can say for myself, I do not
2: I I do not have a background. <laughs> we are Finan- public servants. Finance is uh-huh. so far from my background in the liberal arts. <laughs> yeah, I have my really simplified budget spreadsheet, and that's about as far into it as oh, I go. We, we have one okay. too yeah. in
1: okay. Excel, so at
0: least you got something that relates to yeah. the numbers and what it means. Something to, that to get relates into to it.
1: numbers. Thank oh, okay. you. Yeah. yeah, that was very yeah. kind of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're very glad to have you here because yes. you can um, talk us through this. Why is this movie important to you? Why'd you pick it?
0: Wow, uh, you might make me tear up here. It, oh. it, it's kind of funny. I was in high school. I was in an economics class, and a guy came in. And he was, um, I think he did finance at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm-hmm. And then he started having a conversation with the students. I went I went to Mumford High School in Detroit. Mm. Whoop, whoop, Mustangs. Mm. <laughs> and what it was is that he just talked about what finance was in a very, very broad context. But mm-hmm. it was just fun to hear about it. And he talked about, you, know, you can go into investment banking, or you can go into... Know, commercial banking, or you can do what I'm doing. And, and it was interesting to hear those, st- those stories coming out. And I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. So I went home and we had an encyclopedia set called the World Scope Encyclopedia, a world book, I think, can't recall. World book, sure, world book. yeah. World, it, it was that. a black and white with a red uh, compass in the middle of yep. it, the directional with Northwest, North South, East, and West on it. And I found out what investment banking was. Like, that's what I want to be. Because before up until that point, I just wanted to be a race car driver.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know. So, um, and I think uh, it was funny to to kind of kind of think about that, and that's when I'm like, okay, I, I think I I might like this financing, but I didn't really take it too seriously or want to do too much with it, and uh, I was still like kind of out there, just kind of you know meandering along, not really mm-hmm. knowing what I wanted to do, uh, and then uh, I think we had HBO which is cable. And I'm about to age myself. So this is like 1980. So when that guy came in to speak, it was about 11th grade, 1984, 85. Okay. Um, and uh, the movie Wall Street came out in 1987, I believe. 86 or 87. 87. Yeah. 87. Okay. 87. And so, I, up until that point I, I had an idea but then that movie kind of solidified it but I didn't want to be a Gordon Gecko or Bud yeah, Fox Right. Yeah. you know and, and in that context I wanted to be I wanted to do what they were doing because mm-hmm. it was fun watching him in the scene pick up the phone call somebody trying yeah. to sell them something yeah. and trying to do it in a way where he can obviously make commissions from 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 the activities that he was a part of and so it was fun to see that and that's how I began to see that a little bit more and you began to look at what Gordon Gekko was doing and and how he took over companies. And I knew and from my readings, I found out what a corporate raider was and I started reading books about it and what it meant. And so my first book that really got me education about Wall Street before even I even really saw the movie for the first time. Was "Den of Thieves" by James B. Stewart?
1: Yeah, I read. I when we were, I was doing some research. I read about that. That sounds so interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. So James, yeah. So that's when that's when th- that's how the Gordon Geckos of the world made their money. Mm-hmm. But Gordon Gecko went that extra step further, and he was like, "I'm I'm taking over this company. I'm breaking it up, and then I'm going to sell it all off and make that money that way, and liquidate the pensions, and do all the things that are involved with that." And mm-hmm. that's and so those were kind of those kind of a culmination of things that kind of happened. Which then when I finally saw the movie, I was like,
3: wow, yeah,
0: this is cool. That I knew that's what I wanted to be from here on out, even though I took a, a, a roundabout way to doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how uh, the, the movie Wall Street kind of came to play a role in my life in terms of what it meant to want to be that kind of a, of a professional, so to speak.
1: So I've never worked in sales. What's fun about it?
0: Selling is something where you have to learn how to turn something on and turn something off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, if if you're doing it well, you're doing it ethically, you're truly helping people Mm -hmm. and you're trying to find the people who are willing to buy what they feel your service or product is going to offer them. Yeah. And I think that exchange should be very (coughs) positive. You hear a lot about the used car salesman and all the other people. Mm -hmm. uh, It's unfortunate because really good salespeople really help people. Yeah. And if you really want to do yourself a, a favor, read a book about sales. I mean, yeah. uh, one of the one of my best books that I like to to refer to, I would say Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. That's one book. Um, Socratic Selling. Can't remember the author's name, but Socratic Selling talks about using Socratic methods to sell people in order to ask questions, yeah. really listen to them, understand where they're coming from, make a determination if you can do business or not. And Mm -hmm. then you part as friends. Another method of selling is called the Sandler sales method, which is another one. Uh, They have a bunch of books that can help you out with. And they use all types of techniques and ideas and ways to help people become engaged with, you know, whether or not what you're offering Mm -hmm. is something that they want to be engaged with and do business with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. If not, then you part as friends. But if so, let's do business and see what it means to... Do business and build those relationships that come yeah. from that.
2: I disagree with you, Olivia. I think we are in sales. It yeah, sounds are. like we time. are yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, like we are. We're selling our programs, not literally, of nah. course, because we don't charge anything. But right. you know, we're selling the importance of not just education, but
3: yeah,
2: the, all the resources that we have. And I feel like a lot of times we have to kind of sell. In a sense, or justify why libraries are important. Totally, because we have to keep that yeah. tax base happy um, to help support us, right? Exactly. So yeah. when he said that, I was like, it, it? Yeah. "No, yeah." But when yeah. you but you don't think it, about yeah. it as sales.
1: Oh, when Scott described it, I was mm-hmm. right along there they were like right yeah. There oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: it is something where if you really think about it, for for a library, for yeah. example, th- those are the two places that you will find me at a mm-hmm. library or at a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you have to figure out that people have a problem mm-hmm. and you need to know that problem better than they do. Yeah. So that you, it's, it's kind of like it's the iPhone effect. No one knew they wanted an iPhone until they brought one out. Yeah. But that goes to show what Steve Jobs did to, in yeah. order to kind of help people understand yeah. how his thoughts went into making a product like that and understanding why it was important for society, yeah. at least from his perspective. Um, but you know, but that's what it is. There are people with problems yeah. and there's knowledge out there that they need and they need to come and access that knowledge to help them make decisions on what they should do once they have that knowledge. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. And so when you look at what you, and the reason why I made that comment earlier about like librarians should be the richest people in the world is because mm-hmm. you have access to all this information. So you think about wall street in that context yeah. and then even wall street, the movie itself, it is a huge perpetual information machine. Mm-hmm. And they're making, they're taking that information, they're turning it into knowledge and then they're using it to take action on it. And then they're trying to make it so that of their implementation is much better than anyone else is at doing it. So when you hear all these things, all these people are doing is leveraging all the information that they have at hand, either through people, academic studies, books, um, you know, radio uh, shows, podcasts, and they're turning, turning into you know, some monetary value for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to fathom And at the same time, it's not because you really have to think about how they turn it into and monetize it for themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what you learn from what they did in Wall Street, albeit they did it with illegal gains, Mm -hmm. uh, what they call insider trading and things that Martha Stewart, for example, went to jail for. (laughs) But it gives you an
1: idea about about that. I thought about that because I did a little bit of research around the – See, I didn't know anything about – the people that the story was Mm -hmm. based off of and the people who inspired Oliver Stone. And, um, and I, so I, I did a deep dive and just sort of researched about, you know, all of that and the junk bonds and all that stuff, which I still don't know if I completely understand, but at least I I kind of know more (laughs) than I did because I read about it. So in libraries, we learn in school Mm -hmm. like library ethics, Mm -hmm. like things like, you know, we don't provide programs that we want necessarily. Right. Um, we provide programs that the community says that they want.
3: Exactly.
1: Or things like, and this has been in the news a lot lately, we don't buy books for the collection based on our personal tastes mm-hmm. or our personal political leanings or right. anything like that. We buy books for everyone. And There's exactly. that phrase that, like, libraries should have something in the collection to offend everyone. Right,
0: right. exactly, yes, so, yes. So
1: um, what... And we learn those things in library school and then we uh-huh. learn them on the job too. Right. So in the business world, what are some of the... Because Wall Street is about sort of like corruption and like a um, the movie Wall Street is yeah. about corruption.
2: And I like <laughs> this; you have to differentiate. Just the movie. Sorry, the movie, just the Sorry, the movie is yeah, yeah, about exactly, corruption. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I where, got you though. Yeah, good. <laughs> so um,
1: how do people learn business ethics and what are some of like the major like tenants business ethics that are important for people to learn before they go into finance or get a job on wall street or something like that
0: you know it's interesting you mentioned that. i think a lot of it it's, it's funny if you want to go back to the movie in, in the context of what it means so so you got to think about so bud fox's character played by charlie sheen is uh is it he's he wants to be a player you know he's got he's dating bunch of women he wants to make the money he wants to kind of be that person Mm -hmm. and his father who's played by martin sheen is the exact antithesis he believes that hard work is where you go Mm -hmm. it's what you do it's you care about you know the the final the finished product and what it means to do that and so i think i think bud fox's character knows that but he decides to cross the line and i think that is proof that a lot of the ethics that comes from people may come from the village that you live in, so to speak, yeah. and the home that you come from. It can also be taught in school, I think, as well. Mm. And at the same time, it's a decision. It's a choice. It's, mm-hmm. it's what you decide to do with those ethics if you know what they are and you understand what those boundaries are. And as the movie progressed, um, you see that uh, Gordon Gecko got him to cross the line. So, mm-hmm. so the movie starts with this whole context of um, Bud wanting to be a player. Mm-hmm. He's been calling Gordon Gecko fifty nine days in a row, and he's trying to get him on the phone to, to pitch him the stocks that he thinks will make him money and things that relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, Bud wants to also be like Gordon Gecko. Yeah, He'll, he respects his father, but he wants to be Gordon. Mm, yeah. And those those two dynamics are at play all the time because. Uh, it comes to a point in the film where he asks himself, you know, who am I after he's begun to achieve all of this mm-hmm. wealth and this power. And it's, uh, but he still has a piece of his father. And whereas Gordon Gecko, for example, he's got a wife, a couple mistresses mm-hmm. and he's, it's a, a philanderer. And he's doing things that, you know, normally wouldn't ring with Gordon with, mm-hmm. with, a, with Bud Fox. Cause Bud Fox is now dating a woman that, Gordon Gecko had one time had an affair with, mm-hmm. and um, I think she was used to kind of lure him in, so to speak, yeah. to kind of get you know get him into the into the gang and into um, Gordon Gecko's game. And I think that's what um, you begin to see where he's now willing to do some things in order to be even further into that game. But what's interesting is that he's still like his dad, where he does, he's not messing around with multiple women. He's got. Darian, who's played by Daryl Hannah, by the way, Mm -hmm. Um, and and Darian, uh, it's just him and her, and it's it's them against the world of them trying to become something that they desire to come to become. Yeah, but doing it unethically, and it comes down to him just kind of crossing that line. And I think that a lot of the ethics that you mentioned before, asking about that, I think that happens in the home. Mm -hmm. I think it happens in the village, and it happens. Maybe in, in some other area as well. Maybe your church, maybe at school or some other type of place where you can begin to yeah. to look at it from that perspective.
2: Michael Douglas plays this amazing villain. Mm-hmm. What do you think was the most attractive thing to Charlie Sheen? Because I feel like he wanted to be him. He wanted to emulate him before he mm-hmm. met him, right, right? right? And then when he gets to see him and they go out to that lunch and Michael Douglas makes this... Um, kind of offhanded comment about doing something that's basically illegal. Right. And Charlie Sheen's character is like, well, you know, that, that would be illegal though. Right. And that to me is that decision point where it's like, Mm. what is so attractive about Michael Douglas's lifestyle to Charlie Sheen that he wants to make that step? Is it, is it the penthouse? Is it the women? Is it the money? Or is it just the idea of being as famous as, michael douglas's character or is it like is it everything because you kind of see that thought and it's like what for i always think about that with people when they go so far gone that Mm -hmm. it's like you can't pull back it's like what is that one tipping what's that one straw that breaks the camel's back right or is it just everything because there's a lot of stuff on a really sexy plate it's like wow cars women Mm -hmm. cool penthouse in new york and power yeah. yeah
0: exactly i think it starts out with uh it starts initially, it starts out with just wanting to be that player. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Gecko is that person that you desire to be like. He's buying the companies, he's stripping them apart. Yeah. Um, you want to be a part of that. So you call him, Hey, I got the stock you might like. Maybe you can take it over, things that relate to that. Because Bud's, Bud's goal was to become an investment banker. And if, when you understand finance, investment bankers do a couple different things. Uh, they help companies go public, mm-hmm. they help companies issue debt to sell to investors. Okay. Uh, they also help companies restructure when times go bad as well uh and uh what 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 bud fox wanted to go into was investment banking because you can talk to the players Mm -hmm. and you can find out what they're thinking and you can provide them with ideas so investment bankers are people are what i call uh people who bring strategy and capital um it may be good or bad but i think that's what that's what really drove him initially then i think once he was welcomed into the lair because it's the first scene that he begins to really meet when he, he when he meets uh Gordon Gecko. And when Gordon Gecko meets him, he says he's the same hey, Gordon Gecko, he says, uh he says, um uh, I'm, I'm but fucks, I am I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to to I always always had a dream to do business with people like you. Mm-hmm. And Gordon Gecko responds with, Nice to meet you, hope you're intelligent and then that's that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Please tell me what's going on. And then in the midst of this this whole exchange, he's got people around him. He's got a guy uh, by the name of Ali who's this big heavy-duty uh, trader. Yeah. And uh, Gordon just kind of insults him and compliments him at the t- same time. And he says, yeah, he says, blow away, Ali. He says, look, he's this guy. He doesn't look like it, but he's the best Traitor on those on the street. I'm like, man, you, don't,
3: you just don't <laughs> just do mean. that. You, know, just, yeah. but you wouldn't believe it. And it's so totally in the
0: midst of him meeting him for the first time, there are a lot of different things going on. Yeah. So he uh, Gordon Gecko monitors his blood pressure. Yeah. Then he picks I up the phone. I love that scene. He's yeah. like, Don't do
2: anything that's gonna make this go <laughs> off. I'm like, Oh my God. It's yeah. <laughs> like no pressure. In no pressure whatsoever.
0: Meeting. Uh and then he all of a sudden he picks up the phone. He said he says, What the heck is Cromwell doing giving <laughs> 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 a, a, a lecture on how to lose money jeez if this guy owned a fu- funeral partner, parlor no one would die <laughs> and so you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking you're so oh my goodness this is, what do you say to all of this but yeah. it, it it brought bud in because he knew it's like this is what i want this is who i want to be and yeah. i think that the whole it goes towards that so that's the first layer yeah. of what it means then gordon hooks him up Gives him, uh, tells him to go out and buy the stock that he talked about, and then all of a sudden the stock that he purchased went down, and Gordon Gecko, Gordon wants to meet him. So he meets him at the club, yeah. uh, the, the athletic club, rather. And um, so they, they begin talking, and I, I, sh- I should back it up a little bit. During the conversation when he first met Gordon Gecko, he lets him know, and this is really where Bud crossed the line with ethics. Mm-hmm. He told him about um, the airline that his father worked at yeah. where it was a situation where they ended up winning a lawsuit. Now his father told Bud in an earlier scene about the lawsuit, about the yeah. greedy manufacturers out of sit- manufacturers in Cincinnati, yeah. you know, messing up the airlines and messing up the planes and how they're building them. Mm-hmm. So that right there is what you call insider information or mm-hmm. what they call non-material information. Mm-hmm. and what it means to kind of share information that should, man- should not be shared with the public yeah. if you know about it, if it's not been published by either in a newspaper or some other type of uh, medium that they use to do that. Yeah. it That information lets Gordon know that there's a possibility with this kid he's willing to cross
3: the line.
2: Yeah.
1: It must be hard Mm -hmm. to write a movie about finance because it is so technical and the lapses in ethics are sort of um, obscure, like, or abstract. Like, you can't see, like, you would, like, a fight. You would, you know, you could see that physically happening on Mm -hmm. screen. But, like, insider trading, it's like you just let one little thing slip and already that's, like, a lapse in ethics, which I wouldn't know was illegal. But then they... Oliver Stone places these characters that teach you what is ethical. Like, yes. The, yes. like the guy. His
2: friend from college. I was just yeah. about to did say. James who's Spader th- love yes. Yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes. He's from yes. college. Mm-hmm. He, he did a good job without, I'm sure, insulting people that actually know what they're, they're doing and understand finance, hopefully. But when he's like, hey, you know. Yep. That couldn't get me disbarred and all that. And It's like, well, I know what that means. So yeah. this is obviously unethical, exactly. right? Yeah. Yes. So yes, I think you're right. Having that and having like his dad be really disappointed in him, um, Charlie Sheen's character or uh, Martin Sheen's character, side characters that develop things that are kind of murky for people yeah. that are like laymen. Yeah, exactly. In something that's yeah. trickier. Mm-hmm. I was
1: thinking about the older guy at the firm too. The guy that you know he he's clearly not a rock star. You know, he, he has like a modest desk and, you know, he's, yeah. and he'll say things like um, there are no shortcuts yeah. or like, yeah. he, you know, and he's the one that kind of pats him on the back right, right. before he knows he's going to get arrested. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And Lou that, Manheim.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> <name>? yeah I <laughs> yes. was like,
1: who is that actor? And, yes. um, I read when I was reading about Oliver Stone, that character was based off his dad. So Oliver Stone's father in real life was in finance yeah, during the depression yep, Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yep. and he was an example of an ethical guy, because there, I had read an article called "Repeat After Me: Greed Is Not Good" by Stanley Weiser, uh-huh. who, wrote, who was a screenplay writer for the movie. He and Oliver Stone wrote it together. The article is about his sort of dismay at the reaction to some of the the characters. So he writes about how they developed this this character of Gordon Gecko. He says he's an amalgam of um, the disgraced Ivan Bosky. Yes, and
0: strangely enough, is also a Mumford grad.
1: Oh really? Oh really? Yeah, yes. No way. Yes, I didn't it's, know it's, that. It's, yeah, a, yeah, local, yeah. a local a yeah. local hero? No. Oh, notorious yeah. guy.
0: <laughs> definitely notorious. notorious. I don't know if he's a hero <laughs> yeah. there. you know.
1: I didn't um, know what else to say. Uh, and he you know, he mentioned a few other people that um he, you know, amalgamated to create this uh gecko character, real life finance people. Um, and he wrote, quote, as the years have gone by, it's heartening to see how popular the film has remained. But what I find strange and oddly disturbing is that Gordon Gecko has been mythologized and elevated from the role of villain to that of hero. And I thought that was really interesting. He's meeting people who like want to be him. You know, Capitalism. he's like my hero. And it's like he went to and he's he kept saying to people like they went to jail like that. I yeah. mean, he, he was yeah. the villain of the movie. Yeah. But it's hard to write. I think about Succession too. Do you watch Succession? I have not watched Succession. Um, it's, it's hard, I think, to write a movie about really wealthy people that doesn't glorify them because it's a fabulous life. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A, I know, exactly. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean, you imagine that. I think, I mean, yeah, if, it, it, at each point in turn in the movie, Bud is introduced to more and more things. I mean, yes. I mean, like, I mean like the first time he, he, he met Gecko, they bought stock, he bought stock for him. Um, his buddy Marv was like upset over that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then that night, uh, I forgot all about even re- recalling this at uh, this point. You know, that night, uh, Gordon Gecko sends a woman to his house. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and then, you know, that everything from there that ensues uh, before he even meets Darianne. Mm-hmm. So that's even more interesting to let you know what he did to kind of slowly seduce. And what was fun, you know, was hard to do was trying to find a parallel to Wall Street that's out there that makes you think about who that character Bud Fox was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's lusting and seducing after, he's lusting and being seduced by certain things. Yeah. And at the same time, what is the story out there that parallels that to help you begin to think about it? I couldn't imagine or think of anything. Maybe our listeners can come up with something that oh, might yeah, help us with yeah. that. But yeah, but yeah you, have, you have to think about the whole situation with what Gordon did to bring him in, to lure him in. Um,
1: the only thing I can think of is like high school where it's sort of like, you go in and you have, and you know, you have to be kind, and you learned in elementary school, you have to be kind to everybody. But then the culture around you, it's like boiling a frog. Like, yeah. you, your friends are all doing this thing that seems so normal. Yes. And so then you do it too. And then it's one, you know, one time of bullying someone. And then yeah. it's like one of, and everybody's, and that's the thing with Bud Fox, even if he was doing things that were, illegal he got the bigger office and he you know he was praised for the things that he did
2: i love when that one guy's like i knew from the minute that i saw you that you're going to do great things and then at the end when he gets in (laughs) trouble he's like i knew from the minute i saw you that you were trouble see i took it to a darker place than that still school kind of Uh thing it's Uh like that kind of sexiness wow factor of like you can have more money you can have access to these things especially if you're coming from like middle class or lower lower working class or whatever you want to call it. I kind of thought about when kids get sucked into selling drugs, Mm -hmm. it's like you get a taste of it and it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, let's go with weed. So kids getting sucked into maybe trying weed for the first time and someone being like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I do it all the time and I make so much money selling it to the other kids. And it's like, you could make this money too. And it it does. And you see like, wow, that guy can Mm -hmm. like... He always has gas money. He can go yeah. eat at whatever place you want that to go cool to all the kid. time. Yeah. And he's exactly, like that yeah. cool kind of dangerous yeah, exactly. kid. And yeah. there's something sexy and appealing about that sometimes, I suppose. But yeah, it's all those kind of like how people like. F- it's almost like they're casting that net, and it's like who can they actually
0: capture? Pull yeah. in, yeah, yeah to exactly. be part of their game. Yes,
2: and it's like it, it never goes well for the people at the bottom, right? No, it doesn't. So, and
0: that's what's so funny because then once uh, you know. He serves Blue Star Airlines, his yeah. father's company, ah. on a on a platter, so to speak. Gordon yeah. gecko decides to go ahead and take it apart, and he and he he only realizes it once he's in that meeting. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah." And then the guy says, "Yeah, your boy's done his homework, Fox. You'll be the shortest executive since that Pope they poisoned in, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the Pope." That I would, and so I was looking at that. I was because I was yeah. kind of thinking about like the Pope. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a Pope in 1978 who was poisoned. Um, 1978, uh, I, I, 1978 Pope John Paul was poisoned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, who would have thought about that? Yeah. Um,
1: what good writing.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Who would have thought? I mean, also there's a lot of visual effects too. I think it's kind of funny. So you have the stars in the movie, but you also have, um, uh, Oliver Stone also, uh, makes new york the city a star as well For sure. mm-hmm. um and you know it's kind of funny because you, you never think about it but at the beginning of the movie you have fly me to the moon yep which is done by count basie and uh, frank sinatra yep. and it gives you an idea about what's going on who yeah. the people are what the life is like and you're, you're being slowly yeah. you know pulled you're pulled into this whole lifestyle of what it means to be a new yorker and how hectic it is and what it means to do those things it's funny because i don't think the movie would have made it any more dramatic than it could have because i've been to new york and it is about that crazy when you think about how intense it is and what it what what people in do are doing and how they're living so
1: with the horns honking yeah crowds
0: pushing you and it's an aggressive yeah Yeah. Yeah. it might be it might be a slight moment of um, of, um, embellishment to it but i don't think it's much yeah Mm -hmm. no
2: yeah we've talked about that before on the podcast with cities or states or countries Mm -hmm. being as much a character as the characters exactly and and I think you hit the nail on the head I was watching the intro my husband whose name is also Scott oh nice was um he was working (laughs) on something in our office Mm -hmm. and I was like get out here you got to see like the New York skyline and I'm like you know in the 80s and so you had the twin towers exactly yes you have like the sky rises Mm -hmm. and it's like I would love to see a shot of that now versus then because how much has it changed and developed since oh then? Goodness, it's yeah. crazy, exactly right? Every is. time yes. I feel like every time I, I went to New York City when I lived in New England, it's mm-hmm. like, when did they? When did that change? When did that yeah, place exactly. go out yeah. and this place come in? Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, that was really fun to see. Yeah. I loved watching it just the clothes the hair I was a kid in 1987 (laughs) and I was definitely would not have seen this then but I was in elementary school Mm -hmm. but it was fun to kind of see that stuff and be like oh my god I forgot like people wore that kind of suit and all this stuff so how smart
1: was it to make the Daryl Hannah character an interior designer too so you could see the environment changing around him and these like yeah, this is my personal opinion.
2: Hideous! Yeah, <laughs> yes. 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 the, the pinkish yes. mauve that they were yes. putting oh. off, and then they were painting yeah, exactly. the stuff. I was and like, and "What are they doing?" There's yeah. enough
0: gold over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the corny moment mo- moment in the movie for me. I was like, "Oh, okay, really? Did they really huh. put that in there, or huh. that? No. I hope that was ad libbed." <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little improv for Daryl You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yuck, yeah. So I, I, I think that. Uh, I, but what was telling was that it's funny you mentioned that because what was telling was that it was just but bud fox and her Mm -hmm. so bud fox only wanted what the influence and power that gordon gecko had but he didn't want the
2: he didn't want the full lifestyle No, he
0: didn't want the full lifestyle because it was just him and her and that was that's what was really telling because i don't know if you remember the scene in the apartment once it was all decorated hideously as you so (laughs) eloquently said (laughs) and they're playing they're playing luciano Pavarotti. um and they uh, also, too, it's is my first time ever hearing The Talking Heads.
1: Oh, yeah. The Talking Heads sound yeah. was great there. Yeah, that this was is, so interesting. I think interesting. it's
0: titled This is the Place. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Byrne had a couple of different, like, scenes throughout the movie where uh, his music was being, you know, played. And it was pretty awesome to hear. But it was mm-hmm. awesome to hear. Like, at the end of the movie, they played, you know, Talking Heads again. Yeah. Uh, and it was awesome to hear. It. And I just, I, I look at, when I Play that movie. I play it from beginning to end every time, uh-huh. every single time. Um, but you know what's strange that that I need to point out that my wife and I re- we laugh about. But when Daryl Hannah and and Charlie Sheen are eating dinner, mm-hmm. when they say this looks perfect, we probably shouldn't even eat it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There is a triceratops between the two candles. A. A, uh, a statue, a little small miniature statue of what? a Triceratops. What
2: the hell? We are
0: wondering what the significance of that is.
2: Someone put an Easter egg in that. Yes, yes. they definitely did. Was Oliver Stone's next movie about dinosaurs? <laughs> I know, me, Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he wanted
1: to do Jurassic No, I was trying Clark. to think what, what came
2: after that. I know JFK came out in like, yeah, what, 91? Yeah, I
0: think so. Yeah, JFK. But there had
2: to be something between those.
0: Yeah. Um, I can't think about Land Before it, Time. I know, yeah, twenty one, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Movie. I know, that's going to yeah, And right. maybe we Ugly should do uh, a, a podcast about Oliver Stone. Uh, oh, that would be great. Movie. His stuff yeah. is intense. Yeah,
2: you know what I said to my husband, and spoiler alert: fast forward like thirty seconds if you don't want to hear how the movie ends. But I said to my husband, I literally was like, "Damn it, Oliver Stone," because he did what he does in some of his movies, where it's like. You know the trajectory of how the movie's going to end, but he doesn't give it to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right.
2: You know that Charlie Sheen's most likely going to jail. Exactly. Yes. And he threw the other guy under the bus, so right. he's most likely going to jail. But I like the satisfaction of seeing that. And he doesn't give it he to you. He doesn't give it to you. Yeah. He winds up with that character yes. of New York City. Yeah, exactly. And you get New York City yeah, one more time yeah, as yeah, you're getting exactly. the cool exactly. exit music. Yes.
0: And the beautiful silhouette of it and everything that goes <sighs> on. And, and, I literally. Yeah.
2: And my husband's like, not even in the room at this point. And I was like, damn you. And he's like, yeah. what'd you say? I was like, Oliver Stone. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, <laughs> he just, just, yeah, just he, like, leaves, he leaves you hanging. It's an awesome yeah. cliffhanger to have. I think, frankly, yeah. in my opinion, he should make a number three wall. Um, wall was Street there movie. a
2: second one? Yeah.
1: There was a second was Shia one called LaBeouf. Money Never Sleeps. Yeah. In that, 2010. So, that, this is what you, so Amanda has a theory that sometimes, our economy and movies sort of come out, yeah. Of you money. have those
0: waves, yeah. And yeah. it was yeah. so
1: in '87, in there was a stark market, market it crash, right? exactly. Yeah. So yep. That's when the movie yep. came out, and then they started writing the next one in 2007. And they were like, <gasps> right
2: before everything happened, I found yeah. this Newsweek yeah. article yeah. that
1: was like, the economy seems to be doing some bad things <laughs> in yeah, like exactly. 2007. Yeah. They're like, everything seems to be kind of going no. south, no, but they're writing this movie, and then uh-huh. It's yeah. just what you thought. So maybe well, there'll true. be another one right now. Though Oliver true. Stone will write for us,
2: Oliver Stone. If you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> first off, disappointed with the ending, personally. <laughs> well, no, I, no one else in this room was. Secondly, <laughs> can you please do another Wall Street movie?
0: I know, do do a number three, do a yeah. third one, please. Uh, money should have slept, you yeah. know something <laughs> like that, or whatever. You
3: know,
0: this um, is a
2: hundred percent unrelated, but is the Wolf of Wall Street totally? I know it's not Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. I don't know who made it. Is that along a similar vein where it's following people doing yeah. trading and all that yeah, kind of stuff doing, still? Okay, yeah, and doing unethical things. I never things. saw yeah. it because Leonardo DiCaprio and I have like a weird relationship since yeah. Titanic. Oh, he okay. only says nice things about you.
1: Yeah, Jordan, well, Jordan
0: Belfort was uh, was one of those people that you read about too. So, so I started my career in finance in 1994, and I worked at Oldie Discount Corporation, which used to be downtown in Griswold and. Um, I think it's Lafayette. Okay. And you got to think that Detroit had a stock exchange back in the '70s. Wow. It had its own financial district as well. Wow. Uh, and so it was. It was. It was not as big as everything else, yeah. but it was. It was there. And it was interesting to think about working at that company. Now I wasn't a stockbroker there or anything like that. I went to. I went on to work at Comerica Securities, and uh, I would. I really wanted to be a broker, so I got my license. So to let you know that the ethical things that Bud Fox decided to go into mm-hmm. the, the the finance industry is heavily regulated heavily regulated and that started because of 1929 mm-hmm. uh 1930 um or certain uh, 1940 in, uh, investment act investment company act so there were all these things that were going on to help kind of dictate you know how these companies and these organizations should be run in mm-hmm. order to make it so that you know the the, the populace can be protected from their illicit act, potential illicit <laughs> activities, and so there's not like there isn't anything he didn't know about that yeah. that existed inside the trading. It might, it, if it was something that might have been uh, uh, an act, if it didn't become an act when he was there, it definitely did after it. Afterwards, mm-hmm. all that stuff was there. Regulating these, and so at the time it was, uh, it's called the National Associati- Association of Securities Dealers, mm-hmm. and they they created a lot of uh, regulation around what was going on. Then they changed the FINRA which is you know I forgot what it stands for, but now, but still, it's just you know it's still the NASD just flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. You still have to take the Series Seven exam. You still have to take the Series 63, which relates to the states, and all of this talks about everything that relates to what you should and should not do as a broker or as a, what they call a registered representative mm-hmm. uh, and all the other uh, things that relate to that too. So it's not like Bud Fox, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, right. he just chose he made the wrong choice.
1: Yeah, that's what makes him such a complicated
0: character. Yeah, because he wondered what his dad had, that that right. stable life but he wanted the power and the money and, and the influence mm-hmm. that came along with that.
2: I found but that only enough to be able to go to China and drive his motorcycle, motorcycle across it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Which I love that, that, that yeah. he, he wants to just get the money and then get out of exactly, the game. Exactly. Yeah. No. He doesn't want to stay in the game. And that's where Gecko is different. Gecko gets like so much satisfaction at yeah. being good at it yeah. and being like a total, like, <laughs> he's just, is <just> rotten. He's <laughs> rotten. What here's a
0: crazy to question say. to ask you. You, you mentioned earlier how people uh, sell drugs. Yeah. Um, some people sell drugs, like the mafia, for example, in that sure. kind of a strange context. Uh, they do it enough to become legitimate. Yes. Do you think that is um, a plausible philosophy to get into when it comes to doing what Bud Fox did or what the kid on the street did, did just to either feed his family, have money in his pocket, get the women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Is, are, are those crazy enough ethics to have to do it just enough to get where you want to be legitimately, to get out, because you got to think. Uh, you, uh, Fifty Cent has a book. Yeah. Um, uh, Jay Z has a book. Yeah. About you know their lives and what they started out as and what they became, mm-hmm. and yeah. and strangely enough, Bud Fox was willing to do that same kind of a thing to earn a living to get where he wanted to be.
1: As I a, mean I know what Amanda's going to say yeah. and I know what I'm going to
2: say. <laughs> 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 Man and I have different. So she, I am a black and white person. Uh-huh. Okay. Go I see bat. stuff mostly black and white. Right. I have some exceptions of gray. Olivia is a gray person. I like just, she can she can there. dabble. Yeah. And it's interesting because in some respects I think black and white works well working with the kids cuz sometimes you have to have but a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. I am a Martin Sheen character. I was raised yeah, yeah. very much by a working class union yes, union dad. Yes, so I saw yeah, a lot of my dad yes, in that character. Yep. Of you do the right thing. Uh-huh. You don't ever take the easy route when he's talking about, yeah. you know, you want to fast forward. You don't want to work for it. You right. want to work around it to get it kind of attitude. Exactly, yes. So. Yes. No, I think that even though you can do something illegal until you've legitimized it, I don't. I still don't think it's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. But and that's that's a fair, fair argument.
2: I would be curious to see what your kind of exception to that rule or your kind of walkabout of that would be, Olivia.
1: Um, I think that there we have to take into account like systemic things too. Yeah, that exactly. sometimes yeah. the cards are dealt against people, mm-hmm. and um, I. I don't know about right or wrong, but I can empathize with doing what you need to do to get out and doing what you need to do. Um, I don't know about right or wrong. It's like that um, that roomy poem that beyond right, right and wrong, there is a field and I'll meet you there. Oh, my God. I was just going to say that. Yeah, she's not doing that. That's
2: pretty (laughs) pretty deep. And I'm not saying that (laughs) I I can't understand. No, I I just know for me personally, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't exactly, walk that. Exactly. I would have to be very careful because temptation is super real. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I think I could. I have too much Catholic guilt yeah. in me. <laughs> I have too much Catholic
0: guilt in
1: this body. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, my my, that, my dad was Blood Fox's dad. Too. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and I think about this kind of stuff a lot when I think about my dad because um, I grew up a very different way than my dad did. My mm-hmm. dad, um, you know. He had to get out of his house at eighteen. Wow. He made his own way. He paid yeah. for his own college. He completely did that sort of like bootstraps boomers. Right. Thing. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: it was because he did that that I was able to be raised in the relatively privileged way that he, you know, from what mm-hmm. he was, and so that, and it's just it's something I grapple with all the time. That mm-hmm. I think that really explains the difference in our ideas around politics and. It's really weird with family, like somebody can be, and I feel that way about Bud and his dad too, kind of like.
2: Full honesty, full disclosure, listeners. Uh So I can have this very much like no, I wouldn't do that. My great, great, I think it's great, great grandfather. They came over from Switzerland. They were master winemakers. Prohibition hits. Do they stop making wine? No. No, they switched to whiskey. They made bootleg whiskey and sold it. So my peoples came from something. So it's like, I'm not really throwing that stone hard because I know we all have something. We all have things in our past. We all have decisions we regret. So I just, Olivia, I don't want you to think I'm too much of a (laughs) goody-goody because I came from some some liquor-loving sinners, okay? So I'm just trying to walk that that straight line.
1: (laughs) It is, but that's a really interesting question. It's like, well... You know, it's real easy to say something is right or wrong, wrong exactly. but then, yeah. if, you know, the situation you're born in is just fundamentally wrong. And what
0: are the circumstances? Because yeah. I mean, you think legislation can make your business illegal in seconds. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and so it goes back to that whole thing with information and how do you use it and where do you yeah. get it from? And, and how do you confirm and, and determine that what, you've, what you have is usable And that you should use it or you should not use it.
2: I think about like this conversation is making me think about bigger picture stuff. Mm -hmm. I think about especially because government can make something illegal like that. Right. Mm -hmm. I was, as soon as you said that, I'm like World War II. Look at what the Nazis normalized and made illegal. And then if you were part of that system, do you go along with like not, you know, um, whatever. Or do you go against the grain because it's the right thing in your heart. And it's like, okay, so different instances. If I were in that instance, Mm -hmm. I would hope I'd make the right decision and be like, no, I'm going to support these Jewish people. I'm going to hide them. I'm going to whatever, not go with the system. But so, yeah, there are definitely different examples and things. If you start thinking like, wow. What are people capable of? Yeah.
0: And Can then it? you go back to slavery and then you go back right. to yeah. how the British treated the Irish. You yeah. know, what were those based on laws? Um, you know, slavery was obviously yeah. legal for a certain period of time. So all of those things become those crazy human decisions that yeah. people make based on information that may or may not be good.
2: Yeah. That's where I meet you in the field of yeah. gray because it's like Jesus. If we went certain places. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't think I, I couldn't go along with it. Yeah.
1: It's good to learn. I mean, I'm glad we, we learn and talk about that stuff too, because mm-hmm. if something feels wrong, but everybody else thinks it's normal, it's like the stuff you hope your high schooler thinks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if it feels wrong to you, it probably is wrong. Yeah. And no amount of normalizing Will makes help it. it right. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about the
0: people who feel that it isn't wrong? What about them? Where is it <sighs> where they and how they think? Yeah. Where you stop, they keep going. Yeah. Right. You know, so Bud Fox stopped. He knew he wanted the money. He wanted the power. He wanted the freedom, but Gordon Gecko wouldn't let him.
2: Do you think those people like the Gordon Geckos of the world, do you think that they don't really feel like what they're doing is that wrong or it's not really a big deal? Or do you think that they know and they just don't care?
0: You know, I think the turning point in for Gordon Gecko was when his dad died from yeah. the tax bills and, and pushing electrical supplies. I think that was a turning point for him. Okay. I think it was. I mean, you have to, because you kind of wonder, like, you, you have to wonder what made him like that. Yeah. And then why did that happen? And I think his dad working, I think his dad being a good person, I think mm-hmm. his dad was really like Bud Fox's dad. Yeah. Except his dad dying was like a turning point for him. Like I'm yeah. sick of this. My dad did all this work. And he did he everything right. He did everything he right. And he still died.
2: Right. So I'm not doing so, that anymore. Yeah.
0: And, and right. I can see that being sure. that, that impetus versus
2: some people would look at that and be like, he died doing everything right. I want to live like that and know that when I die, I've lived like a good life. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, he went in the opposite direction. He's like, screw yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Why am I working so hard? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And You know, when you lose someone like that or you Mm -hmm. don't have supportive parents, you might think no one's going to help me. So I have to be as ruthless as I can to get myself in a place. But, But also
0: it's the feel, too. Yeah. You know, you have to think that what is Wall Street like? What makes it the way it is, It's ultra competitive. It's a lot of machismo that goes on with with it as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, And so you have to look at it from that perspective and determine, you know, whose ego is the biggest and how it's going to work and and what it means. I mean, I I remember when I worked on straight commission as a bond salesman, it was tough work, but it was, you know, it was about like psyching yourself up every day to go out and eat what you kill literally. Um, and you're on the phone calling people, talking to them, trying to get them to buy what you're selling and all the things that relate to that. That and scene
2: where he's doing the cold calls at the beginning, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this yeah. is so cringeworthy. I can't yeah. even imagine spending a whole day doing that and yeah. just getting yeah. shut down over and over, over the, and over yeah, again.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think the minute the most no's I heard in a day was, I think, like 60. <sighs> ay, ay, ay. Yeah. And you just have to. Yeah, you I mean, have to keep on going
1: 35
2: and the kids 30, tell me exactly. no in the children's department i'm like get out no, yeah exactly yeah
0: you can reinforce that rather easily yeah, <laughs> yeah they're little uh, but yeah yeah but i think that uh, if there's any way to probably you know begin to draw to a close what uh, bud fox really recognized was when mm-hmm. lou Mannheim kind of reached out to him at the end of the movie and he says to him he says you know but i like you he says uh But, uh, you know, you got to think about what you're doing here. And he talks about the story about, you know, man looks into the abyss Mm -hmm. and uh, doesn't see himself looking back. And that is what keeps a man out of the abyss. You know, he says he says something about his character, not that's when he discovers his character. And that scene, that scene, strangely enough, was parallel to the scene where um, Ray went to go um, get Mark, uh, go get Luke Skywalker. And she saw herself looking back right. except she saw the evil self looking back yes. <laughs> yeah. and didn't know what to think of
2: it
1: <laughs> yeah because yeah, you gotta live with yourself exactly yeah way. Yeah. well I can't think of a better way to end than that
2: <laughs> that's a good spot to stop
1: I would love to talk about this with you forever <laughs> thank you so much this is yeah, awesome so I had a great time you we can
3: always have a
0: part two yeah well, let's have a part 2
1: let's do that. Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.